So last week we kind of wrapped up the uh, the several weeks study on the person and work of Christ. Uh, this week really is kind of, in some ways, a continue a continuation of that. Um, we're going to be talking about the atonement. This is this is ultimately like this is the culmination of that um, work portion of that study, um, the work that Christ did. So when we think about the atonement, like what do we mean when we say the atonement? Um, kind of a short and sweet uh, definition that we'll be working with here is the atonement is the work that Christ did in His life and death to earn our salvation. A lot of times when we think about the atoning work of Christ, um, I think we'll tend to focus probably on His death. I want us to get that it's both his life and his death um, that does an atoning work. And, and at the cross we find um, our sin placed on Christ and we find um, the, the, uh, the life and work of Christ credited to us. Um, and, and so we're going to kind of explore this a little bit. Um, I debated some of digging back in and, and spending some time um, kind of in Leviticus, specifically like Leviticus chapter 16, where, where uh, a lot of the uh, kind of laying out, like li- actually before we jump into Hebrews chapter 10, I, I do want us to just flip and flip uh, really quickly and just look at something interesting because it's going to play in, I think, as we get uh, down towards the end of the, the lesson today. So flip, flip really quickly. We won't be here, we won't be here too long. Um, so Leviticus chapter 16 um, I'm just going to start in verse 1 we won't go too far here I just want to point something point something out real quick so Leviticus 16 1 the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron uh, when they drew near before the Lord and died and the Lord said to Moses tell Aaron your brother not to come in at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat that is on the ark so that he may not die so the point that I want us to to get here um, is if someone entered into the holy place uh, what would happen? Like, like what? Why? And they were what? Unclean. Unclean, right? So, like, if you were back in this time and somebody said, "Go into the holy, go into the holy of holies," boldly, what would you say? That's a death wish, right? I can't do that because if I go in there. Yeah, right. Like you go in there. We'll stand out here and see what happens, right? Like you don't enter into the holy of holies because you're not worthy of entering into the holy of holies, right? Um, so we're going to see the work of Christ changes this um, to where not only can we enter into that place, um, but we can enter into that place boldly, which is like it gives me chills to think about it that. That the work of Christ is is we think I mean we we know ourselves right like you you know who you are you know like you fail regularly you know that even in this moment like if if you were to take who you are now and rewind you still aren't walking into the holy of holies 
Right? You know yourself too well. But we're called to go in boldly now. And, and, and part of that is understanding that the work of Christ is effective for us to stand before God today. Right? How we are today, I stand in Christ in spite of my fail, failures, in spite of how I, I, I fall short, right? In spite of how there's much work that needs to be done, the work of Christ today is effective so that I can approach God as though I were completely holy and complete, completely without blemish. So flip with me to, uh, to chapter, to chapter 10 of the book of Hebrews. And we're just going to start in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 1 and we're going to kind of progress down um, through probably, I'm thinking, I'm hoping we we may not get there today, but we'll see. I want to press down kind of um, into verse, like into the 20s, so somewhere around verse 23. So Hebrews chapter 10 verse 1. So this is this this kind of section in the text, just to give us a little a little context. Um, it, like like all throughout the book of Hebrews, we get like the supremacy of Christ, like put forward in in various different ways. Like he's he's presented as the greater or the the, the supreme version of all the different um, kind of things that are brought forward here. And and this portion in Hebrews chapter 10 we're, we're kind of comparing the sacrifices of old and how Christ is superior uh, to those things. We see the shadows that they represented and the completion of that um, in the work of Christ here. So be, be aware of that. That like For you to really get this it would be, it would be um, good for you to go back and just kind of do some reviewing of what the kind of the Levitical system looked like. We're going to get some some glimpses of it here, uh, but it would be worth kind of going back and, and spending a little bit of time if you want really to get kind of the full effect of this of this text and just how how much greater the work that Christ has done is compared to the to the uh, to the things that were put in place kind of pointing to what Christ would do. So uh, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 1, For since the law was but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the, the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near. So, um, and this is, this is more only a review for us. We, we, reali- we realize this is the case. Um, but I want to kind of point out in case we forget um, that the work the work that was done in the Old Testament, all of like the kind of the the systems that were put in place there, did they make those people holy? Like did that work that took place was that able to make them holy? What what are some indicators of that? Like like when we reflect on on the systems that were in place for the Israelites prior to the work of Christ, like we get like uh, the sacrificial systems that were that were put in place, and and they continued year after year. Why ne- why did they need to continue year after year? Like what what is one of the underlying purposes that God had them do this continually? There was continuous sin. And I guess it was a reminder of their sin. And yeah. This system was in place to remind them that they were in need for the promises of God to come right. to be completed. 
right? Like it was not intended. Now here's what happened. Here's what happens though is that, and we can we can get in similar types of situations. But yes, yeah, so the so the traditions start to take hold to where you put an emphasis on the tradition, and the traditions start making you holy versus doing what the intention of those were to do was to keep you looking towards the promises of God to complete those, like to be completed. Right? There was not the it, it, it was to serve as a reminder until the until what we find Christ doing in in in. Uh, his life, death, resurrection—it um, all pointed towards him here. So it was—it was never um, going to make them make them clean. So they continually offered it. Um, so verse two here. Otherwise, would they have not ceased to be offered, since the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sin. So uh, the writer here continues kind of just kind of pressing into that. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. So if we, if we need, you know, further evidence there, it, scripture kind of goes on to, to put it out there clearly for us that it was impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, verse 5, consequently when Christ came into the world, He said, Sacrifices and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for Me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then He said, Behold, I have come to do Your will, O God, as it is written of Me in the scroll of the book. So a couple of things that I want to point out here um, in this in this text. So sacrifices and, and offerings you have not desired, but what? What, is, what does it say there? But a body you have prepared for me. Right? Who's this, who's this speaking of? Who is this? This is Christ, right? So in burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have, you have taken no pleasure. Then he, said, then he said, Behold, I have come for what? To do your will. To do your will. So when we think about the atonement, right? Like we... Like, where does our mind go to when you when you think about what did what did the atonement do? Give me some words that you think about. Cross. Cross. What else? Blood. Blood. Cleansed. Cleansed. What else? You got any others? Forgiveness. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Paid. paid. What was paid? Debt of sin. What else we got? Substitution. Substitution. Like he took your place. He took like the punishment was on him. What else we got? So all all that you've listed there thus far makes you clean, right? What Christ did and the work that Christ did in his atoning work was more than just make you clean, right? He did more than bring you back and rewind the work of Adam, right? That's he did that. Of course he did that. Like he cleansed you, but he did more than that for you, right? The the life, this 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 life that he's talking about here, but I have come to do your will. He he did what Adam could not do. He did what none of us are capable of doing. He lived a human life 
perfectly and without sin. You get counted that life. Do you understand that? That not only are you clean, but you can be called holy. Right? You can be called righteous. I think we need to consider more than Christ's atoning work having just given us a clean slate to start from, but He's given us the complete and finished work. Right? That's what His atonement. Right? Where you stand now is not in a place where now you can continue and now you'll make God happy. Right? Christ did the work and God is satisfied in His work and you can approach Him boldly because you stand in the completed work of Christ. Right? God did not want and or, nor desire um, the offerings. He gave Christ a body, burnt offerings, sin offerings. That doesn't please, like that. That wasn't the point, right? So these things, um, you take no pleasure. Verse seven. Behold, I have come to do your will, God, as is written in the written in the scroll of the book. So Christ came and did the work. Verse eight. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in in order to establish the second. Now what does this mean? What does it mean that he did away with the first in order to establish the second? What was the first doing? It was pointing to the second, right? Right? It was a reminder. What did the second do? Right? What does he switch? He switches, he switches a hope with the completion of that hope. Right? Like in Christ, he doesn't just leave with, okay, now there's a, now, now look forward to this other thing. Right? Right? Like, like the work of Christ doesn't say, well, just, now there's something else that, that you have to, you know, wait for. Some other promise that has to be completed. Or now go do the work and be good people, right? Like, like, He does and has completed the work. And when He, when, when it does, says that He did away with the first in order to establish the second, you don't need to be reminded because He does an even greater thing we're gonna, we're gonna see, um, later on. Um, so you don't need to be reminded um, year after year. You're you're holy now. Like I think, if there's any reminder that needs to be given, um, we probably need to be reminded more and more of, of that. That you come boldly to God today. You failed today. Repent today. Right? Like that, that's that's continual. When you when you fail, when you fall short, repent. Be quick to repent. Um, don't don't feel like you have to run away from God or that God's somehow like you know like He's holding up more wrath for you. Like like um, the wrath was completed. Like Christ finished the wrath of the the cup of the wrath of God and finished it completely. Um, there's no more wrath remaining for you. This is why we can come boldly as believers uh, before Him. Um, that. Verse 10, and by that we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once uh, for all. 
Um, so, so having replaced this first, now establishing the second, the second that he's done with his body through his life. Um, now, uh, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So there's no like need for him to do this again and again, like the priests had to do year after year, right? Like clearly, if you're having to do it again and again and again, it's not having the effect that you would hope that it had. The work that Christ is, has done is good once for all. Otherwise, He would have had to have been doing it from the beginning of creation and continue on so long as He holds creation in existence, right? But this work was good once for all. Verse 11 here. Um, and every priest stands daily at His service offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. Uh, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, He sat down at the right hand of God waiting for the time until His enemies should be made, his foot, be made a footstool for His feet for by a single offering pay attention here for by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified right so do you like he has perfected you the work of the atonement is 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 perfected in you right do we need to be reminded of this regularly Right, like, like when you get down on yourself because you continue struggling, um, it won't. It's not to be perfected at some point in the future, but it's being. It it is perfected, and you're being sanctified. Right. So the the work is is that you've you you've been perfected because your your perfection doesn't come in you. It's found in Christ. Um, you've been perfected. Those who are being sanctified, right? What does it mean to be be sanctified here? So like the atoning work is complete in you and this process that you're undergoing now as a believer of sanctification is aligning you with that perfect and completed work, right? So God is working in us now um, in our in our like stumblings and fallings in our con- continuing to to repent of those things that we fall short of of, of our hope uh, being fixed in Christ, unwavering in Christ. This perf- this perfected work that He's done, He is um, bringing to completion in our sanctification. Verse fifteen. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us for after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and write them on their minds. Um, So uh, we we as believers today, um, we find this being um, like like this truth is reality for us, right? So um, God is doing this work, right? Who who can write the laws of God on our hearts? Who can do that, right? So should you should you strive to work towards being like? How to how to how to put it? I need to. I want to be careful in the way that I say it. Is holiness a thing that you ought strive for in your life? Yes. Yes. Right. You ought strive for holiness. Will it ultimately be your striving that achieves that holiness? No. No. Right. So strive for holiness, but know that the one who writes 
His truth on your heart is the one ultimately who does that, right? The Holy Spirit gives you the desire to strive towards holiness, right? The Holy Spirit puts in you the desire, that will to do His works, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so long as we, so the source for our striving is our love for Him and our joy for Him, and and it does not come from a place of I must do this to satisfy Him. Continue, right? If you find yourself feeling as though you're you're striving and you're working is in some way to please or satisfy Him, repent of that thought because He's pleased by His Son's work. Right? And that ultimately it's Him who's doing this work in you. He says, I will put my laws in their hearts and write them on their minds. Then He adds, I will remember their sins and lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. So we don't have to worry about ever finding ourselves in some place to where now we have to go and do some work to to make those sins that we fall into somehow. Um, we're not now placed in a in a situation where we have to worry about work and that being uh, a thing that pleases God in, in the sense that it pleases Him or appeases Him, right? Like it makes Him okay with us. Again, that's not why we work. That's not why we strive. Um, we're not working in some way as though we're making an atonement ourselves for the sins that we commit day to day. But we trust that the work of Christ um, is completed there. And that, and that kind of pushes us into uh, the, this, this next kind of section of the text here. So having a, having a good understanding of, of who Christ is, um, the work that He has done, uh, that we stand uh, holy before God because of that work, not just because of the death of Christ, Right? Like, when God looks at us, He doesn't just see us as clean. He sees us as acting righteously. Like, that's a, that's different, right? Do we, do we get that there's a difference in Him seeing us as clean and Him seeing us as acting righteously? Right? If He sees us in the completed work of Christ, everything that Christ did in His life is counted to us, while all the sins that we committed were placed on Him, then when He looks at us, whose work does He see in us? Jesus' work in us. Right? So the faithfulness of Christ, I am credited. Right? Like... Are you faithful to your friends like Christ was faithful to His friends? Right? Are you as obedient to your parents as Christ was to His? Are you as faithful on the job as Christ was on the job? In everything that you do in your life, can it be said of you that in no way did you ever fail to please God in that work? whether it was nailing of nails or whether it was feeding of thousands. Can that be said of you? When, Christ, when, when God looks at you, it is said of you, right? Like, like, like in, in one sense, I get it. We can't say, like, we can't say that. 
Right? But you don't walk boldly into the Holy of Holies unless that's true of you. Unless it's true of you, you cannot approach Him. Right? Yeah. Like we don't relate to God in fear when we're in Christ Jesus. His 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 righteousness is your righteousness, right? Like when you stand before him, that boldness comes because Christ did not fail in any regard to glorify God in all that he did. And that gets to count for me. That gets to count for you. So you approach Him with an alien righteousness that was not your own, but was given to you. It's foreign to you. It's otherworldly. Yet you, because of the atoning work of Christ, were made clean and called righteous and holy. His atonement does more than make you clean. And now, as you live your life, this work of sanctification is aligning your actual actions to the way that God sees you. Right? There will be a day where you act in no way out of a line from the way that Christ would act in any given situation. Now, that's in another world for us, right? <laughs> there's, a, there's a miraculous work that happens as we transition from this life to the next. Uh, because I can, I, can, I can promise you that on your deathbed, you're going to still feel closer to this side than that. So God's faithful to complete that work, right? He's faithful to complete that work. Therefore, verse 19, Therefore, brothers... Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus Christ, by a new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with a heart sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Let our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. Amen? Amen? So let us, let us step back, because that's a really long sentence that covers, several, that covers several verses there. So because we rest in Christ, right? Because His sacrifice was sufficient, because there's no longer a need for offerings to be made for sin, because Christ's offering was perfect and complete and accepted. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, where does that confidence come from? We have confidence to enter the holy place by what? The blood of Jesus. By the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh, right? That's what his, the work that Christ did in, in the life that He lived, in the life that He gave for us on the cross. Like We can now approach God with confidence, boldly, So not only that, but verse 21, since we have a great high priest over the house of God, who's this great high priest? This is Christ. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. What does it mean? What does true assurance of faith mean? What, is that, what does that mean? 
Complete confidence. Right? Like unwavering faith. Can you approach God? Can you approach the Creator of all the heavens and the earth? Can you? Can you? So, so, so keep in mind when we started off in Leviticus where He's like, don't enter. Right? Don't just go in there because you'll die. Right? You've got to go through this long line of things and it's, you've got to stick strictly by the rules unless you fail in one part in that you'll die. And yet now, how many of you have failed and fallen short on the way to church today? Or in your preparation to get here? Right? How many of you before the end of the day today? And yet you, with full assurance of faith, can approach the throne of God. Because the atoning work of Christ not only made you clean, right? But when He looks on you, He sees the work of Christ. He chose to see the work of Christ, right? He chose to do that. It's the work of the atonement for us. We can be called holy. We can approach God boldly. Um, Let's not take that for granted. Um, Not take it for granted in the sense that we treat it as though it's um, some small thing. And let us not take it for granted either that we don't um, approach Him regularly. Right? Like, how, how, how often do we, maybe because we don't feel that full assurance, right? We, we maybe, like, we could avoid the ever-present God, but in our, in our minds sometimes we do, right? Like, the, like, like He doesn't want to see me today, right? He, he, he would hide His face from me if I came in the room. Um, I'm not worthy to approach and yet, Scripture tells me um, that with confidence I can enter into the holy place. It, it, it reminds me continuously that I have this honor because of the blood of Christ. Um, it's He who opened up a new way for us. It's because of Him that we can draw near uh, with true heart and full assurance. Um, our hearts have been sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, right? Like verse 22, the kind of the end of that. Um, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Um, verse 23, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. And I want to I wanna kind of uh, just continue reminding us that it's His faithfulness that's the thing that, that counts here. Um, we, we fail and fall short. He never does. Right, the one who's made these great promises that he would write, um, you know, that he would write on our hearts um, and on our minds, his his laws. Um, it's he who's faithful. It's he who we trust in. Um, and from this, ver- from this, like like in with this understanding, um, verse twenty four. Let us now consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Um, and all the more as you see the day draw near. So as we consider um, the work that Christ has done, the atoning work not only to make us clean, but to, but to, to give us a position that we stand in His works, um, that we could be called holy and righteous, that when God looks on us, He sees the good work of Christ. From this, we should 
always be considering how we can stir one another up, right? Like like using your gifts so that um, so that you can encourage others. Using your gifts um, so that you can do good for those who have yet to hear the the truth about who Christ is and what He's done. Like let us stir one another up, um, and as we consider that that day draws near. Every single day we get closer to that day. Let that be a reminder to us that we can come boldly. You, you brothers and sisters, can come boldly to the throne of God through the work of Christ. His, his atoning work is perfect and complete. When, when God looks at you, He does not see that, that failure that you had this morning or that you'll have this afternoon. When He looks at you, hold, hold strong with full assurance of faith that His work is completed and that He is working to sanctify you. Right? Draw close to Him. Um, we don't get closer to Him by, um, by having false thoughts about the way that He looks or thinks about us. Know that He sees you uh, through the blood of Christ. Um, so come before Him, come before Him boldly. Uh, don't neglect um, coming together here um, in this place um, or outside of this place with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and don't don't um, for fear or lack of understanding of this atoning work, neglect time with your Creator. Right? Draw near to Him. Um, he's he he's he's sought you out, um, and and des- and for a mind blowing reason desires to know you. Um, like that's that's a, a mind blowing thought that he wants to know me, um, and that he made a way to do that even while I was. Um, an enemy of his. So we'll we'll close out with that.